Hey there, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in Him and who we are to Him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. Song of Solomon, chapter number one and verse number four. It says this, Draw me, and we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his personal chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. That's Song of Solomon, chapter one and verse number four. We're talking about this journey, this this journey into God's expressed desire for our heart. And this message is clearly demonstrated through the Song of Solomon. It is a picture of Christ and his love for the bride. And who is the bride? That's you and that's me. But it's that understanding. We, We speak about it oftentimes in generals because we don't understand his love in specifics. And so when you look at the Song of Solomon, it is a very graphic picture, but there's not just a, what makes us a song, a great song is not the lyrics and is not the melody. It is the message that is in between the lyrics and the melody. The lyrics of the song is the shepherd king and the girl, and the melody is the sexual content. So in between the two, and if we're not careful, we just run into the song and we allow the two to overwhelm us. We walk away saying, well, that's a good song, and we move on to other things in life, and we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why we uh, we don't have the impact and the effect, and we wonder why our love for people, our love for, uh, for God himself, uh, that we give back to him is as a manufactured thing. We talk about having a, being in love with Jesus, and most of us, um, to hear that statement, I'm in love with Jesus. Man, you hear someone, and immediately we start to question that. We start to look at that all the things in their life, and we say, well, if you're in love with Jesus, why do you do this, and why do you do that? And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in the trap of performance-based acceptance. Uh, you're giving love, and your level of love is based upon what you do, what you have, or what people think of you. And we understand something very, very quickly as we get into the Song of Solomon. We're going to see a picture of a love given from the king to this girl that is in disregard to her and what she can give back to the king. We find out that the king overwhelms her with love. He is fanatically consistent in his love for her. And it is a picture of God, how God says, I love you not for who you are, but for whose you are in your mind. And my love for you is not based upon your behavior. My love for you is based upon my behavior, what I did for you on the cross. And I love this book. I love the next eight chapters of Song of Solomon. And we're going to get into this together. And as you go through this day after day after day, you're going to see your value and you're going to see your worth based upon the king and his name. And you're going to see that stuff displayed for you. God doesn't need you. God wants you. He says, I don't need you to do life. I want you to do life with me. Living, I never made you to live for Jesus. He said, I made you to live from Jesus as your source. He is the giver of life. And we're going to look at that. So in Song of Solomon 1.4 says, draw me. She's speaking this. The bride is now speaking this to the king. She's standing in a, in a place in the palace and it begins to dawn on her where she's at. The more as she begins to speak this statement, I can just see her looking at the king. And as she speaks this statement, she becomes very, very aware of where she is in proximity to the king, where she is right now in the palace. And it's very powerful. It says, draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. 
It was not her walking into the king's chambers on her own. It was not her just whimsically walking through the door saying, I'm here. It was understanding that the king uh, took her by the hand and led her personally to his chambers. The king hath led me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. Remember we said in verse number two, a kiss was more potent than wine because it is a precursor of a greater level of intimacy. And, and she is about to experience intimacy with the king in a very, very personal way. And she's saying, wait a minute, it's dawning on me where I'm actually standing right now. In the palace, you had the king, you had the different people in the court, you had the different officers in his army, you had the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the chief cook and bottle washer. You had all of these people. Some people, as close as they could ever get to the king was the wall. Some people, as close as they'll ever get to the king was the the, ba- the kitchen of the king where they prepared his meals. And some people, the only distance, the closest they would ever come to the king was to stand in the courtroom and watch him as a verdict, as a judge, that some people, the only distance that they would ever get to the king is maybe to approach the steps and speak to him. But she's looking at him and she's saying, I'm not at the wall. I'm not in the courtyard. I'm not in the kitchen. I'm not in the pantry. I'm not in the servant's quarter. She looked at the king and says, wow, I'm I'm with him. Like he brought me close to him and I'm with him in the palace environment. Your placement in proximity to the king is vital. Where you stood in distance to the king spoke volumes of your value to him. Where you stood in proximity to the presence of the king spoke volumes of your value to him. She is in awe as she speaks the statement because it dawns on her that she is standing in the king's personal chambers. She's standing in his personal chambers you know, I'll never forget, I grew up reading the Rome, book of Romans, the Romans Road. I, usually about four or five passages from Romans I would read as I told someone else about how they can find the king, right? I would read them these passages, but one day I read one for myself. After God began to teach me of my personal value to me, what he did was he showed me exactly how close that I truly was. You see, my distance and my, my closeness to God, to, in my mind, was dependent completely on my level of service. It was dependent completely on what I did for him. If you can imagine this um, this mental picture here, God to me was like he's in a, a swivel chair, right? I mean, he was facing me. And when he faced me, we fellowship. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. <laughs> I looked at God and, and his when he communicated with me with those times where I just, man, I prayed through, man. I kept praying and kept praying. I read so many chapters in the Bible or I prayed so many hours or I told so many people about God for a day. My quota was filled and now I had presence of God. Now I had fellowship with God. But then, man, I would think a bad thought, you know? As a teenager, it's hard to think clean sometimes. I would think a bad thought and you know what? That chair would, swivel chair would turn around and all of a sudden I was looking at God's back and I just, I grieved his heart. And I was, oh man, I have to do, 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 get a bunch of stuff done. And slowly that chair, I'd plead and beg, 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 beg God to forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I want to be right with God. That's the statement. I want to be right with God. And man, I would just beg and plead for him to turn around in that chair through service, man, through if I went to enough church services and I did enough things and that chair would start to turn around and I would just, you ever watch King Kong where the natives are, are beating the gong and man, they're just gong, 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 gong. And they're dancing and whipped up into a frenzy and all of a sudden, way back in the jungle, the trees start moving. You hear, Rawr! 
and all of a sudden Gong is coming. That's how he looked at summoning God, just getting into God's presence was this list of hurdles that you had to do, uh, all this different uh, tricks and things you had to do. Butter God up in prayer. You had to do all this different stuff and God's face would slowly turn us on and then you'd be back in his presence again. And man, I wanted to be right with God at all times. I wanted to do things to be right. What, what did I need to do? And that list of what it took to be right with God would often change depending on which teacher was in my life. So one teacher would say, look, it's three times a week to services and that will make you right with God. And if you don't miss, man, you're not right with God if you're not here tonight. Oh, I want to get right with God. I'll be here. I'll be here. And I would get in that Jerry Seinfeld voice, I'll be here, God. What do I got to do? You know, I'll be here. And I would do whatever I could to stay right with him, right? And then God showed me Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. And this is mind-blowing. This is barn door good. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. What that verse tells me is that there's no swivel chair with God. Like God is fixed. His face is fixed towards me. And he says, my opinion of you has never changed because my opinion of you is not based upon your behavior. My opinion of you is based upon my behavior. What God says is, I brought you close to me. I chose to lead you into my personal chamber. It has nothing to do with your behavior. It has everything to do with me and who I am. And I brought you close to me. Daniel, you could go out and do all you want to try to gain my favor, but I've already given it to you. Man, you're like the prodigal son that stayed home. Uh, man, I, you, you feel like I should be loving you because of what you do for me. Or you feel like I shouldn't love you because of what you don't do. And I'm telling you, you're missing the point, son. You are my son. And I love you because I'm your father and you're my kid. That's what brings you value. The fact is, it's my name that brought you value. I brought you into my chamber. I want you to write something down today. Today, I challenge you to take a magic marker, take a Sharpie, take a dry erase and write on your bathroom mirror with dry erase or take a Sharpie and write it down and somewhere you can see it in the front of a book or in the front of a three by five card that you can put on your dashboard of your car or put it in your bathroom mirror, or put it on your refrigerator. Write these words, I am chosen. I am chosen. I don't feel chosen, Daniel. No, you're not what you feel. You're what his word reveals. I am chosen. God chose to make you close. God chose to redeem you. God chose to bring you into his chambers. God chose to bring you into close personal proximity of you. And there's nothing you can do that could ever undo what God did to make you close to him. Man, I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and swear like a sailor. Uh, no offense if you're a sailor listening to this. <laughs> you're just known for cursing more than the average person. But there's nothing you can do, man. You can't, you can't, it's not a curse word that you can say that will undo do what the blood of Christ did for you on the cross. There's not no action you can do that would undo what God did for you. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go out and live in sin. I'm not encouraging you to run off in the deep end and go engage in an ungodly lifestyle or ungodly behavior. But I will say this, if you have, understand this, you are not, it's not your behavior that brought you close to God. It is everything is him. It is not you. It is him. He said, I chose through Christ to make peace with you. You and I are on the same page together. There's no war to have peace. Peace is an absence of war. He said, there is no war between us. Man, you're close. I'll talk to people and they'll say the statement, I let God down, Daniel. <laughs> Brother Daniel, I just let God. Have you ever felt like you let God down? 
I mean, think about that. Have you ever felt like you let God down? Well, let me just say that you can only let someone down if you have ever at one time held them up. And you, as awesome as you are, <laughs> you have never held God up. In the relationship, he is the pursuer. In this relationship, he is the sustainer. In this relationship, he is the one that has held you up day after day after day. You not just get his righteousness to obtain salvation, you wear his robe of righteousness to keep your righteousness. You are wearing his righteousness because you don't have any of your own. Your own is like filthy rags. Any good thing you can do is like filthy rags. It's You are wearing his robe of righteousness. And he looks at you and says, man, you are completely clean. You are completely right with me. There's nothing you can do. I remember preaching this at a church one time, preaching this through the Song of Solomon. And as I was speaking, I had the pastor come up on the platform. And I said, okay, now listen, I'm going to show you what this looks like. Now, pastor, you you be God and I'll be Daniel. And I looked at him and I said, the day that I came to you is a great day. And I gave him a big old hug. And I said, man, you and I are, are together. And I said, man, uh, just me and God fellowship face to face. And I turn around and I said, I, I, there's a day when I just fall away and I begin to skip church. And I, and I begin to skip doing all the activities that, that you would associate with, with being a good Christian. And I begin to walk off and I walked off the platform and God was standing up on the platform. And I said, man, here I will go and do my own thing. And man, I'm living my own life. And I begin to get farther and farther away from him. And I said, and then the church body gets together and they pray, pray for Daniel, get back to God, just turn back to God and just get right with God again. And I said, and I started making moves towards the pastor, walking up to the platform and everybody in the church started amen amen <laughs> here he goes he's getting right with god and i stood back in front of him and i said man now i'm facing him again and i apologize for everything and i asked him to forgive me and and we're back together again is that how that looks and everybody in the church said yo amen and i said let me show you what this really truly looks like because it's not fair it's about purpose let me show you what this looks like i looked at the pastor i said you're god i'm daniel i'm glad to meet you i gave him a big old hug and i put his arms i reached out and put his arms up on my shoulder i said you grab my shoulders and never, do not ever let go. Never let go. And I said, I'm going to turn away from God. And I turned around, and of course, his hands were stayed on my shoulders. And I said, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to leave church. And I just walked off the platform. But this time, he came with me. I said, I'm going to go ahead and live, a, live as far off as I can. And I started to walk a little bit faster, and he stayed with me. And I said, I'm going to run away from God. And I started running from him. And he stayed with me. And man, that pastor and I ran around the auditorium. We ran back up the steps. I got back up the steps. I said, now I'm going to turn around and get right with God. And I turned around and there he was. The truth is he had never left. He was always, Paul said, man, listen, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? He said, man, be careful about where you go and what you do. Why? Because you're taking God with you. If you join yourself to a harlot, you're taking God with you. Man, the Spirit of God indwells you, and there's nothing you can do that could ever shake him. He said you are saved. You're in the palm of his hand. His hand is the same thing that spans the galaxy. It's from your pinky to your thumb. If you spread it out like you're giving the Hawaiian wave, you know, that's the span of a hand. He said, man, you're, uh, the galaxy of the, the entire universe is in that span of my hand. I'm so big. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. It's the smallest part of the furniture. He said earth is the smallest. You are like a little speck of dust that you're in my hand. Man, you are enclenched. If you are saved this morning, if you have God, 
God's spirit inside of you. Let me just tell you, you are like that speck in that middle of that hand. You can run and run and run for a billions and billions of years and you can never reach the end. You are so saved, it is pitiful. His love for you and his salvation for you is not based upon your merit or upon your righteousness or upon anything that you could do. Man, you are completely held close and invited close into him. You are chosen. You are close to him. Why? Because of his behavior. It has never one time been about you. It is not big sin, little God. It is big God, little sin. And let me just tell you something. I'm not encouraging you to sin, but I'm just saying if you feel like you're distant from God today, understand you have a tremendous opportunity to know the closeness that you stand. You have the tremendous opportunity to know the proximity to the king. God, through the sacrifice of Jesus, has given us the opportunity to stand close, to stand close in him. Man, I don't know what you may feel like right now, but you're close. So here she was. She stands in the chamber of this king. She sees the value that he has placed upon her. And as she stands there, she starts to look around. She realizes I'm not just out in the fields of his kingdom somewhere. For years, I used to just be a shepherd girl. I was out in the fields. I was in vineyards. I was being abused by people, my own family, taking advantage of me. I felt like dirt. I lived like dirt. I was this person that I prayed that nobody else would ever have to be. And now, now I walked in here and I walked past all of these people that were refined. I walked past the servants. I walked past the gatekeeper. I walked past the maids and the butlers. And he held my hand. This hand that signed laws and legislations. This hand that shook the hands of dignitaries. This hand that, that was power. It held mine. And he led me down the hallway. As I passed rows and rows of stained glass windows and works of art. And gold and silver furnishings. My feet touching the tile marble of the floor, leading me into this bedroom. I'm in his personal chambers. He's looking me in the eye, and he is standing a breath away. Someone said, God is just a prayer away. No, 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 no. He is closer than that. Like he is inside of you. His spirit's there. It's not running back to God simply opening your eyes to see that he has always been with you. God has always been with you. And he will always be with you. In a palace environment, your placement and proximity to the king is vital. And where you stood in distance to him spoke volumes of your value to him. And she was standing in the personal presence of the king. Now, when this sinks in, she begins to do what we do when we really take the time to think about this. This whole fact, this whole, uh, this whole audio uh, time as I've been speaking to you on this podcast, this whole time, uh, you've been thinking, and this thought has been rolling in your mind, what she's going to say next what she's going to tell him next is what you have been thinking. And this is so cool because as I read verse number five, and we're going to get into that tomorrow, uh, as we read verse number five, man, you look at this and it's like, whoa, that's exactly how I feel. That is exactly how I feel. And you're going to see what the king says in response. And what he says verifies and completely confirms what I'm telling you right now is that your value was put on him. And your value is because of his behavior, not because of yours. And I promise you, this is 
is awesome. You can make it through anything in life when you understand how loved you are. God said, I don't need you, Dan. I want you. And so I'm excited to get into this next next passage tomorrow. Thank you so much for being with me today. Make sure you smile today and give away your source. Uh, you repeat the world is hungry for your source and you've got it inside of you. So you smile and let that out. When you smile, you are giving away your source. God bless you and we'll see you tomorrow.